So yeah, welcome to another episode of Talk Yana, um, episode 7. Um, today I've got an amazing guest um, from America. Um, her name is Chelsea Bree Janney, um, and she's an author. Um, she also runs a mental health company as well. And um, yeah, and she's just released her third book um, talking about mental health. Um, so yeah um, so based in this episode um, we got obviously Chelsea um, and just a little bit of background into Chelsea um, obviously in 2013 during her stay at a psychiatric hospital um, Chelsea Brianney wrote, wrote a letter to herself that could later help prevent her from committing suicide the heartfelt letter was a desperate plea to her future self to hang on to hope and reach out in the event that her depression spun out of control again. Today, she has taken that letter and used it as a source of inspiration for the creation of the uplifting pep talks in this book. Whether it's a simple read if you need Monday motivation or a more serious read, this is your struggling to get out of bed Letters to your owner manages to meet the reader wherever they currently are on the spectrum of emotional difficulty with love, compassion and understanding. These pep talks are exactly what every person experiencing any level of emotional difficulty needs by their side to help keep the light of hope for a better day visible. Chelsea Brigiani was only five years old when she first um, developed her leg of eating disorder following an assault that le- left her traumatised. She kept her assault a secret and faced more trauma from other sources that led to severe depression, tripling anxiety, anxiety, sorry, PTSD, self-harming and multiple suicide attempts. All of her struggles came to an end in 2013 during her junior year of college when she was hospitalised for suicide ideation. Following her stay in the hospital, she left school to go home and enter treatment full time. In the years since, she has healed most of her trauma, fallen in love with herself and life, travelled to various countries and immersed herself in various hobbies, creative projects and other means of healthy coping. She's also written three books, one of which is a collection of letters addressed to the reader to provide the same support and encouragement she once needed. Letters to Arona. This book also sparked the inspiration for the founding of Finding a Happy Inc. When she's not running her company, she provides a motivational speaking to groups about her story and the importance of normalising mental health. Welcome to another episode of Talk Kiana. Um, this is episode seven, and and on today's episode we got Chelsea um, Brigiani. Um, she is a mental health author um, from America, and also she runs a mental health company as well. Um, so yeah, I just want to obviously talk to 
Chelsea now and um, introduce let her introduce herself. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love what you're doing. Um, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, like you said, I am American, so there's a little bit of a language barrier. Um, yeah, so my definitely. Middle name, yeah, it's cool. And honestly, people over here struggle to um, pronounce it, too. My mom literally uh, made it up. Can you pronounce it? <laughs> uh, Brigitte. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, reason A. Um, <laughs> it's all good though. It's no worries. Thank that's, you so much for having me. That's brilliant. Thank you for um, wanting to do to do this. Um, yeah. So what I just wanted to first start off with. Um, can you just give like an introduction of like what you do? Um, you know, it's a little bit of your experience with mental health as well. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm an author. I have written two books on mental health and a book of poetry. Um, again, on mental health, I wrote it when I was having a depressive episode. So I'm a mental health advocate and a peer since I live with mental health struggles myself. I have dealt with um, an eating disorder. I've developed binge eating disorder at the age of five, which then grew into bulimia at the age of eight. And I have lived with severe depression and anxiety and PTSD my entire life. Only I didn't have a name for it or acknowledge it or admit it until I was like 21. Um, So it was a very long life of shame, denial, and just silence living with the symptoms of all of those things. So, yeah. So now I... When I'm not writing books, I'm running my company, Finding a Happy Inc., which I go around doing workshops, mental wellness workshops, teaching people with depression easy um, methods to cope with the symptoms. And And then I also have a line of apparel that raises awareness about mental health. I think to do a lot um, in terms of mental health. That's brilliant. Um, So, yeah. um, so yes, yeah, so thank you for this obviously sharing that with us. Um and yeah, what I just wanna ask, um, like what made you like what what kinda helped you to like I was I don't know, are you still experiencing those mental health issues at the moment? Or Dude, for that? sure. I'm in the middle of a depressive episode right now. Like it took me three hours oh. to get out of head this morning. Like, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. I had that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the difference between now and where I was at years ago is now I understand what is happening. I think before it was like someone threw me on a roller coaster and I didn't know what a roller coaster was and I was blindfolded. So it was a constant like, what is going on? So now I have a name for it. I understand it. I'm actively in recovery. I go to therapy once a week. And so I know how it feels when it's coming. I know what it looks like. And so I know I can just kind of do my best and meet myself wherever I am emotionally and just do what fits how I'm feeling Um, yeah yeah, so I still struggle with um, depression the anxiety isn't as intense but Mm -hmm. I still have moments and then I'm still in active recovery for bulimia I I relapsed like three days ago you know it's just uh, part of the process I suppose Um, so yeah I still live with it yeah (laughs) so um, like you mentioned like therapy as well obviously um, yeah question but I think we're just going to jump in there um, sure. and in terms of therapy what kind of therapy treatment are you um, having at the moment because like over here in the UK we have like different sorts of therapy so we have like CBT which is like cognitive behavioral therapy and stuff yeah. like that yeah one to one basically talking so um, what kind of therapy are you 
doing in America? Or I'm having... currently using art therapy. Oh, right. Okay. I love it. It's amazing. Um, I'm sorry? Yeah, what does that involve, sir? So my um, therapist uses art projects to help me express how I'm feeling and to help me understand and better, not to use a pun, but like paint the picture of what's going on in my own head. And um, when I draw things or when I paint something or sculpt something, we then look at it because a lot of what's going on in our subconscious minds is able to come out when you're creating something because sometimes it's just like too difficult to explain it consciously and so she'll say like for instance the first session I had with her she had me draw a nest and I was like that's really random but okay so I drew a bird's nest and I just drew like a bunch of little brown scratches she was just like okay so what do you see and I was like I just drew a nest like I don't get it so then she pointed out that I didn't have any eggs in the nest and I didn't have a branch for the nest to go on so then it was like hmm how do you feel about your own self do you feel like you have a home do you feel like um do you feel like you have a home do you feel safe in your own skin and so she got all of that just from asking me to draw a bird's nest so it's very interesting yeah, well, it's very interesting. Therapy, like that art therapy. Um, it's not really yeah. here, to be honest. But um, I think, like, if that's something that we could adopt over here, that would be that could help a lot of people because not everyone like finds one-to-one talking um, mm-hmm. or you know CBT. Yeah. So, you know that that's, that's yeah that's really amazing. Yeah, and sometimes I just get so overwhelmed with all of the thoughts in my head and how I'm feeling where I'll just like be crying or just sitting there stunned and she'll just say okay draw how you feel and it's like just getting that out onto paper exactly. and I'm able to talk after I just kind of get some of those intense emotions just out of my system you know yeah all right so, yeah and you said that you've obviously suffered with like the trauma and mental health issues from an earlier age um, yeah you said it back from five or eight and um yeah what what like i don't also yeah i don't want you to go into too much detail of it. oh no i'm so fine i don't want to trigger anyone so i won't go into like, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> you know brief brief like summary of what you know what was happening from then till now yeah Sure. Um, and then if anyone's curious more about like my story, like I, I go into more detail in my book. Oh, um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, so for now, um, when I was five, I was sexually assaulted okay. at a family reunion in my sleep. And so that was like the first bout of trauma. And that same year, my father started abusing heavy drugs mm-hmm. and started abusing crack cocaine. And mm-hmm. so... Um, that obviously like affected the home life and it was just a very intense kind of abusive home situation and a lot of like stealing money from us or stealing our toys and video games and selling them for drugs and a lot of drama between he, um, him and my mother and so then they got divorced and he just wasn't in my life at all so then at age 8 that's where that trauma came from and then just like I guess moving through adolescence without an understanding of mental health and not having a way to express 
the darkness that was in my head and not having someone to talk to about what I was going through I just like picked up more bad habits along the way so um, age 14 started self-harming and self-harmed almost every day for eight years and you know it just I think it's one of those things where it's kind of like a little snowball like if you roll a snowball down the hill at the top of the hill it's going to be little and then by the time it gets to the bottom it's going to be like massive and I think that's the same thing for mental health like the longest the longer you go without talking about it or acknowledging or, or healing the trauma or going to recovery and treatment the bigger your issues are going to get and the harder they're going to get to resolve you know so I think that's what happened with me it just was like didn't get help so it just got worse as I got older okay and um like so obviously you're going through all of that stuff and like um didn't you have like any friends or, or family members that you could turn to and say you know this is what's going on or this is how you were feeling or you just totally feel like you just by yourself alone dealing with it totally felt alone and I think that a lot of it had to do with my family dynamic of not feeling welcome or valued in my own home had a lot to do with it but I also think it was like a cultural thing um, uh, black yeah. and black Americans like yeah. we don't talk about mental health yeah, and, like true. it's just not something that something they sweep on the cup facts like we don't really have the luxury of (laughs) I I think that like as a community like we've been through so much trauma collectively since we were brought here and we still go through so much trauma and like we just are always in survival mode and so we haven't been raised up with the luxury of sitting down to cry and process and talk about your feelings it's kind of like yeah we're all out here hurting like suck it up keep moving you'll be fine rushing under the rug yeah Yeah. so I didn't have anyone to talk about it with really no oh and so um obviously well yeah you didn't have anyone to talk about it so what kind of then made you um get to the point where you felt like you needed to seek help or who did you talk to then when you first wanted to get that help sure so I was um my junior year of college I was preparing to in my life I had tried twice in high school um so the third time I was 20 21 and I am I don't know I think part of me feels like there was like a little voice in my head telling me to reach out and talk to someone but I honestly think that it was like you know all those ads where it's like (laughs) (laughs) anti-suicide like I don't know if how effective those are in that like it was just on my mind and so like I logically and intellectually knew that killing yourself is wrong and that's not something I should do and I can intellectually recall the ads and the commercials and the workshops telling me to reach out when I feel like this and I think that's what that nudge was that that logical understanding of don't do this and so I just listened to that tiny nudge and I called my best friend and I was just like hey man like I'm not feeling too high like I need to go to a hospital or something and so she came and got me and I went to the hospital and I don't know how you guys do things over there but if you admit that you if you check yourself in like you get Baker acted it's called here so they keep you for at least 72 hours oh right so they kept me for 72 hours in the hospital 
and I went to school in a really small town, so there wasn't an, a psychiatrist on. Where, where, where are you from, by the way? In, in... Oh, sure. Sorry, yeah. I should have said yeah. that. Um, North Carolina. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. yeah. In the South, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, which is even worse because that's another thing. Like, again, like the mental health stigma down here in the Bible Belt is massive everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Satan that's doing this to you like you just need to pray about it and it's like literally not like not all the time what you're dealing with can you know be resolved with just a prayer no and I wish it was that easy I mean I think if it were that easy then everybody would just do that and then no one would ever be depressed like are you kidding me like no one wants to feel like this exactly um, so there wasn't a psychiatrist on staff so they had to Skype someone in and by day three, I kind of was like, all right, I've been sitting here for three days, like eating all this applesauce in the hospital. Like, I want to go home. <laughs> so I just was like, I'm fine. Like, I don't want to kill myself anymore. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, let me go home. And they just were like, no, ma'am. Like, that's not how this is going to work. Like, you need to go to a psychiatric hospital. So then I was like, I don't want to go to a psychiatric hospital. I just want to go home. I have midterm exams. Like, I don't have time for this. And they were like, well, you're either going to go or we're going to handcuff you. So I was like, shit, okay, I'll go. So I went to a psychiatric hospital for eight days, seven days, eight nights, no, seven nights, eight days. And that was my first interaction with therapy. I think when you go to those places, they really just kind of want to like keep you alive before they send you home with what's called the safety plan. So the first time you had the, like, the therapy, yeah. Yeah, since I was a kid, yeah, that was my first. Okay. Yeah. After it... the divorce, my mom tossed us in therapy for a little bit, but it didn't last. Yeah, and how does it work over there in America? Because usually, like, you kind of like over here, you just self refer yourself, and then you're on a waiting list for like how many months? Like, is that really? Is that a similar process in America where you're no, poor? Because we don't we don't have single payer healthcare, so at the time I was grateful and lucky enough to be on my mom's insurance so okay. in America, you can be on your mom's and your parents insurance until you're 26 years old and so my mom has a great job yeah she works for the government so her health insurance is amazing okay so i just had like a copay for the hospital stay and then whenever i would find a therapist my first 10 sessions were free and then we had to pay out of pocket like 50 bucks a session after all right yeah um but again like that's a privilege because there is people who don't have good jobs whose jobs don't provide insurance and so yeah you're ass out like you gotta find you yeah. either gotta apply for medicaid and find a medicaid um a therapist that takes medicaid or you have to find a therapist that does a sliding scale fee and so they'll have like a base fee of like 50 dollars, and it goes up and they'll base your fee on how much you make yeah. Like, obviously, here we've got, the, obviously, the National Health Service, mm-hmm. which we know we're blessed to have, you know what I mean? Because other countries, just like America, which is one of the largest economies in the world, and there's so many people out there who are basically dying just because they don't have the money to, you know, fund their health care. 100%. That's really yeah. Sad, to be honest. Um, yeah. I just got kicked off my mom's health care this year. I just turned 20. <laughs> and so... My therapist is nice enough to keep me on, and so she gives me like a, a reasonable rate. So oh, I can keep going good. to her because I went to her when I still had 
insurance. Like I just got knocked off in January. So I just pay her like a lower fee, but otherwise like she charges like 200 bucks. Yeah. And like not in America, you it's not that fortunate Mm -mm. uh, can afford that. So it's like, what did they do then if they got any mental health issues? You know, are they just left there to... They suffer in silence. Yeah. Suffer in silence and... Yeah. Suffer in silence to the point where it's too late where they do take their own lives. Like... Yeah. Yeah. It's really really sad, you know. It is. And we do have some... I'm sorry, what did you say? Yeah, especially in a country like America as well. Like, that's really sad. It's ironic, right? And we do have some non-profit organizations and some government-funded organizations that give free mental health care but it's it's not that great quality sometimes and then other times again it's a long waiting list because there's only so many resources that they're allotted so mm-hmm. yeah it's difficult for sure um, that this happened I guess in college when I decided to become open to therapy and I I guess used those years of insurance as much as I could exactly yeah yeah, so that's what covered my hospital stay and then my therapy when I got out of the hospital. And so that's how I ended up opening myself up to the concept of recovery to begin with. Okay. And like, so obviously you still do suffer with mental health issues, but obviously well, in, from what I've gathered, you know, things have improved a bit from when you was a young child. Yeah. Uh, what kind of things like kind of helped you to get from where you was when you was a young child suffering with mental health to now how you've improved and have you have like a total different mindset to things are you more positive like what kind of things do you keep um help you to keep you going so um yeah i'm definitely more positive in a sense i i resist toxic positivity the whole good vibes only Oh, yeah. No negative energy. I think that like I've learned to look at life holistically as this ever evolving experience with no destination. So I don't force myself to feel anything. I kind of just kind of like let things come as they do. And that takes the pressure off because I think a big part of depression is like beating yourself up for being depressed. So when exactly. I stop criticizing my symptoms, that helps a lot. And then also just like healing from the trauma helped a lot. So I think that my depression and then my trauma are two different things because a lot of the sadness and pain and anger I was carrying was because I hadn't resolved the things that happened to me as a child. And so when you tack that on top of the depression, it just made the depression heavier and it made my lows more often and it made my lows more extreme. When I went to, because I did cognitive behavioral therapy for a few yeah. years, doing that and learning to change the way that I think and learning to understand what triggers are and how I can forgive myself for certain things and how I can have a deeper understanding of what happened to me as a child and like not get over that stuff, but let it go. Mm. My lows aren't as low because now what I'm carrying is just the symptoms of depression not symptoms of depression and all this horrible shit that I experienced too you know so and like that's definitely the biggest thing yeah what I was gonna say um like how does one like kind of have that like get to that point 
to have that mindset where you know letting go of what happened to them in the past it's hard man <laughs> um, <laughs> it's hard for real man i i think a huge thing man this was a tough pill to swallow was mm. understanding that nothing in life is personal mm. i think that everyone is out here projecting their own shit and so you have people who in turn abuse and are mean and are vicious and do disgusting things to people because of the relationship they have with themselves and I think that if you're not taught that mindset from jump of course you're going to go through life internalizing everything that happens to you because no one has taught you otherwise so getting molested my father leaving emotional abuse getting bullied all kind of stuff is I'm taking all of that at the chin and thinking it's because I'm lacking or I did something wrong or I'm not good enough. And so logically applying the straight up fact that all of those people who hurt me were not doing it because I wasn't worth a damn, but because they were hurting themselves makes it easier to then let it go because it had nothing to do with me. And it sucked and I didn't deserve it. It was very painful, but it's just not my job to carry that anymore. You know, um, it, a lot of it is just like your logical perspective. All right. Yeah. Okay. And um, in terms of obviously, you said um, you run your own company. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and you said um, about you, you know you guys do workshops and stuff like. Tell us a little bit more about um, what your company does. Sure. So I have a um, workshop called School of Unoya Workshop, which is, again, my book is called Letters to Unoya. Um, yeah. Do you mind if I briefly explain, explain that weird word and like yeah. why I picked it? Cause... Yeah, explain that because I, I was having, I was struggling to pronounce it and I, I wasn't sure if I pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, hey Chelsea, sorry uh, about that. Not what that's happened. okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, just go into a bit more detail about um, your company. Yeah. yeah, okay. So the workshop I, that I have is called School of Unoya. So Unoya is a word that means beautiful mind and well thinking and a state of normal adult mental health. And so I actually discovered this word when I was scrolling on Instagram. You know those like inspirational memes yeah. that like, have a Buddha on there, even though Buddha didn't oh, look, yeah. really didn't look cool looking. So in 2014, I saw that on Instagram and just like really liked it because at that point I was still not doing well and I had logical understanding and I was finally accepting that, oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm bulimic. Oh, I have this stuff that I need to work on, but I hadn't even begun to feel better. So the idea of having beautiful thoughts and to have a healthy mind just seemed so far away and it just was like major goals. So I just kind of like carried that with me. So um, when I stopped self-harming, the method I used to stop self-harming a little unorthodox went 11 days without doing that which was very hard at the time Mm. and it was on my forearm and so on the 11th day I walked down to this tattoo shop down the street and at this time I was living in South Florida like not too far from Miami so I just like walked down the street to this tattoo shop and I asked them to tattoo a bird over my marks and some of my marks were like a little fresh I honestly don't even know why that guy did that for me like that was a blessing but he (laughs) tattooed this bird on my forearm 
And when he tattooed it, I told myself like, all right, that's it. Like you cannot destroy this beautiful bird. Like you cannot hurt your bird. And so after that, I never self-harmed again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in 2014. So then in 2015 to celebrate my one year of not self-harming, I wanted to add to the tattoo. And so I decided to get Yunoya tattooed over the bird because at that point in my life, I was like, oh man, I'm really out here with this Yunoya shit. Like I'm really doing this. Okay, let me go ahead and, <laughs> go ahead and get tattooed like I'm out here. So that's what I did. And it's just kind of been this like theme of my life and now my brand. And so the School of Yunoya workshop, I share my story. I talk about my hospitalization, a little bit about my life. And mm-hmm. then in four different um, approaches, I share four different like activities that people can do in their daily life to help them cope with depression and to kind of create some light when the darkness comes in. And so um, one of them, for instance, is my inverse tasking list, which mm-hmm. I talk about in the book as well, which is basically like if you're someone who has to go to school and has to go to work and has responsibilities, sometimes those responsibilities don't give a damn if you're depressed and you have to do them anyway. So what I've learned to do is I'll look at my to-do list and then instead of focusing on scratching things out, I'll like write down what I did do. So I like replace my to-do list with what I call like a yay you like yay you like you're doing it so um, (laughs) depending on how bad my depression is like sometimes my list will say like yay you got out of bed you brushed your teeth you combed your hair you showered like you got dressed and then some days you know my depression is not so bad so then it's like yay you wrote a chapter today or you socialized like you know whatever so it's just about teaching people to meet themselves wherever they are emotionally so that's just like one of the activities so there's three others similar to that that people can take home and they get kind of goodies and a signed copy of my book and um so that's the main chunk of my business and then other than that i do have shirts to kind of like i I design the shirts with mental health warriors in mind um yeah but anyone can wear them. So I have a shirt that says like anxiety be lion and I have one that says go to therapy and be nice to yourself. Just different positive mental health themed. I like, I like how you replace your to do list with a positive approach to it. Cause rather like to do list, like people just write a bunch of things that they need to do. And then when you look at it and you haven't done a lot of it, you kind of have that pressure and you have start to feel like a bit worthless because I haven't completed everything. But yeah. how you've done it is that you've put more p- positive like approach on it where you know you write down everything you have done and at the end of the day you can see, well I've done this, I've done this and that and you know you can really feel proud of yourself. Yeah, it really helps. It helps with people who have anxiety and people who have depression. It helps with both. And sometimes you look at your list and you feel so overwhelmed that it's like, yeah, exactly, yeah. I can't even sit up in my bed. How the hell am I going to do all these things? So for me, if I can like fill out all the, every little thing I've done, when it does come time to sit down and look at the productive to-do list, then it's like, oh man, I've already done seven things. I got this. I can do, I can, I can do one more. And it's like, okay, now I can do one more, like one at a time and just doing the best that you can. And then if you only get through three things on your list of 10, your other list has seven. So you're out here, like you're okay, you know? 
And um, I think I don't know. I remember one time you um, was going through your social media a while ago, and I think you did have you did have a partner, did you? Was that correct? Yeah. All right. You see, with uh, just are you just to know? Are you still with him or not? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Right. But um, when you did was with him, um, like, did he support you in any way as well with your with what your mental health as 1, well? One thousand percent. Yeah. He was very understanding and very kind and loving and constantly meeting me wherever I am. Yeah, okay. um, I'm actually in a new relationship now. I haven't really announced it, but I guess I am now. <laughs> but, but exclusive right here. <laughs> um, he First again. Time. I don't know. I haven't. In, I have. I've gotten lucky with attracting friends and romantic partners uh, who understand. And I also think it's because I kind of wear my stuff on a sleeve. You know, it's kind of like. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm an advocate that they kind of know what they're getting into. Yeah, exactly. Um, but a, a lot of it also comes down to education because with both romantic partners I've had where I've been this open with my mental illness, yeah. I have had to teach them a few things. Um, yeah. So it's just with me not being defensive and me being open to breaking down their own stigmas. Mm-hmm usually it's just like I gotta tell you once or twice and they kind of get it yeah. like the guy I'm with now literally keeps a calendar and writes down the number of days I go without relapsing and every day like we check in and it's like okay you're on day like I made it to day 47 <laughs> before I screwed up this last time oh so, wow. yeah so it helped me with the accountability and even though I still kind of like relapsed it was helpful because then I, I screwed up and we talked about it and he was like okay day one it's okay like we're here and he uses like we pronouns like we got this and yeah. I'm right here with you you know um yeah, so you're really supportive yeah. extremely and I think that uh if they weren't then I honestly wouldn't be with them straight up I think um, that I've <laughs> I've learned that the most important thing in my life is my mental health because that is the foundation for everything and so if I need time alone to get my stuff together before someone else comes along who gets it then that's okay and like how do you find um like sharing how you're feeling a lot of the times with your partner because obviously some people may feel like the burden is well the person who's suffering may feel they they don't want to burden that other person yeah. too much and then the, yeah. also the person who's obviously your partner who's obviously hearing how you're feeling it may be overwhelming for them and you know they feel like yeah. they're helpless because they themselves don't have never experienced mental health yeah issues and like how do they like so for them it's very hard for them as well so um yeah it's tricky man it's it's a balance between transparency and receiving support from your partner without crossing the line into codependency because at the end of the day they are not responsible for making you feel better or helping you feel better. Like, they're not responsible for how you feel. You are. They just are there to support. They're like your cheerleader. Um, So I constantly check in. And I'm also mindful of not dumping all my stuff onto him. He's not my sole source of support. He's not my sole. He's not my only coping mechanism. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have a list of things that I do. I exercise, I meditate, I go to therapy. I have a few other friends I can call. 
there's online group supports you know like Facebook groups that you can go in there's like anxiety support and you can just like vent on there if you need to so I'm very mindful of divvying up dump my shit so that it's not all falling on him because it's his relationship too and he has his own life issues to deal with too even if it's not as intense as mine and there are times where I need to be there for him as well yeah Um, so I and, I and I constantly check in. I say, "Am I overwhelming you? Are we okay? Can you are you in a good headspace to hear me vent right now?" Or, you know, I'm trying my best, and I I constantly thank him every time. I'm like, "Thank you for you know being so supportive. I really appreciate you. I'm not trying to overwhelm you." And I'm and I check in with him on what I am working on to keep mm-hmm. myself together so that it doesn't feel like this never ending spiral of drama. You know. Um, so it's just about finding your own balance. Yeah, that's really good. Like you know, um, you know, um, you have partners like that that are very understanding of what you're going through, and you know they're always there to support and um, ready to, t- you know, to talk when you're ready to talk. Yeah, and it helps to normalize. I kind of treat my mental health issues like I treat my headaches. I don't really, and people might say like this is like socially inappropriate, but like. <laughs> I will talk about my bulimia like it's a headache because I think another issue is why it's so hard for people to talk about it and then receive it is because it's like this yucky thing that we're not supposed to talk about and it's supposed to be this shameful thing but it's something I live with every day so like I have friends who are like tell us how you doing I'm like man I, I'm not doing too good man it took me three hours to get out of bed this morning like I'm depressed like you, you asked I'm gonna tell you you know um, which it took me a while to get to this point, but the more we normalize it, you know, the better it makes it for everyone. Everyday conversation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, brilliant. Um, and yeah, we're like, obviously coming to the end, coming to the end of the podcast too. And um, yeah, I just want to say, like, do you have any tips for people who are out there suffering in silence? Those that obviously you haven't been able to get any therapies yet or those yeah. who are alone and they don't have, really have anyone to talk to, um, like, do you have any tips for them? Yes, Obviously, for sure. Because yeah. therapy helps, but you're only there an hour a week, and then you're, like, you're expected to, like, apply all the stuff you learned. So there's a lot of stuff that you can do in your own daily life. So I, I'll just start by saying, like, anyone listening to this, you, not to name the podcast, but you're literally not alone. Um, there are millions of people out here who feel exactly like you do and it doesn't have to be this way always like you can have great days you can create happiness you can laugh you can see the sunshine all that stuff um it is tricky to reach out i get it it took me 20 years to reach out like i understand so what i find helpful um when I'm feeling a little isolated is to go on YouTube and just like type in mental health or mental health vent or my life with depression just like random things and there are so many people on there who just talk about the stuff that they're dealing with and you can scroll through the comments man and you'll see hundreds of other people who feel exactly like you do and sometimes you just need that validation you know another thing is taking care of yourself as much as you can so don't turn this into a thing where you're like beating yourself up for not doing these things but taking care of yourself as much as you can so like getting hydrated staying hydrated um 
eating healthy where you can not to say there's good foods and bad foods but nutrition does help with your like brain fat and stuff my nutritionist taught me that um and then like doing things interest you little things like if you like to sketch if you like music whenever you have that energy fill your day with something that just makes you feel okay makes you smile remembers why it's a good thing to be alive and just do the best you can every day and eventually we'll have the courage to reach out to someone and get to where I am where you're just talking about your bulimia with a complete stranger who doesn't even live in the country as you you know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but um, yeah that's brilliant Um, um, hopefully those are some tips that obviously who are listening can uh, mostly do and um, incorporate in their daily yeah. life. Um, but yeah, um, and also just to lastly talk about your book a little bit, um, like where can we get your book from? Like, yeah, it? um, it's available on Amazon worldwide. Oh, okay, brilliant. Literally, the easiest way because you know, is such a weird word. So, literally, if you just type in the book of mental health pep talks, okay. you'll find it. Yeah. Um, and in there, I talk about my hospitalization and a little bit more about my life and my childhood. But the book is designed for you to flip through and read letters based on what you need. So if therapy was hard today, if you're headed to a social event, if you're going through a breakup, if you just had a panic attack, if depression won today, if you're struggling to get out of bed, and it's literally just like me talking to the reader and yeah. saying what I've told myself in those same situations um, and it's just like a recovery tool it's just a good thing to have by your bedside um, to help you feel supported and validated through those tough moments alright brilliant um, yeah definitely um, check that out on Amazon then yeah. and um, where can we reach you as well on your socials as sure well? the yeah, the easiest way to find me would probably be on Instagram because I have all my links there. So it's at Chelsea Brigine. Should I spell it? Yes, please. C H E L S E Y B R E J A N E E. Chelsea Brigine. Okay, and we, and we can obviously keep up to date with what you're doing in your book. Definitely, because an ebook is on the way, and so is an audiobook. So I'll be announcing that stuff on my Instagram page, so that you guys can see that there too. Okay, brilliant. Um, well, yeah, Chelsea, I just want to thank you um, for obviously coming on on this episode of um, the podcast. Um, thank you very much for your time as well, and willing to um, talk about your experiences with mental health and sharing your story as well. And, yeah, uh, thanks for doing this. You guys are honestly, this is amazing, and I really think that it's gonna save so many lives. So please keep doing this. That's the that's the aim of what 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 we do. Um, awesome. But yeah, um, and all the best with your book as well, and thank you. Um, best with everything you got in the future planned. And um, yeah, thank you very much for coming okay, on. Okay, great. Have a good one. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye bye. Bye. So yeah, that was Chelsea Bridgene. Um I probably said her name wrong again. And um, yeah, um, also I just want to obviously thank her for taking the time to come on this podcast and on this episode, episode seven. 
um hopefully um you guys enjoyed that podcast um obviously i'm sorry for any breaks we've had obviously we had some technical issues there obviously with her being in america and i'm in the uk but um yeah i just want to thank you chelsea so much for um reaching out to us and wanted to be on the podcast and sharing your story um it's not an easy thing for anyone to do that so um, thank you for that um all the best with the book so make sure guys you do check out a book on amazon and um yeah if you want to hit her up for any tips or just to talk to her about anything um yeah you can um obviously visit her page on instagram um it's chelsea bridgene um but i will have that in the com in the description box down below at the end of this podcast but um yeah thank you for everyone for tuning in um also i do want to say um thank you for everyone who supported and listened every all the time and um i really appreciate it and um if there's anything you feel like we can do differently or improve the podcast and mostly let us know your feedback uh, once again just want to say thank you for everyone for this support and until next time um take care